Pinado. This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Heward, not exactly Joe Cap there in the pocket. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. Oh, there it is. The debut of Chris Berman taking a clean shot at you. Oh, we're we watched Berman. that. We watched that sack, by the way. We did. Yeah, yeah we went back. as clean as that sack was. He picked I you mean, up. So I've you mentioned that sack. He was sack. unblocked. Yeah. So, Brock, you've been talking about that for as long as I've known you, right? John Mobley. And I couldn't clip. Uh, I, I can't watch it. You've never seen it? I'm not going to watch it. So it's funny. It didn't happen quite the way I thought it did. Okay. Like, I imagine, because you always say, all right, John, you know, that you got bluffed on one side. To my right? left. To your to left, left, in front yes. of you, yes. right, with Romanowski. Yep. And then Mobley came from the, your backside, from that's the right rem- side. That's how I remember it. And that's true. That is what happened. Okay. I mean, I couldn't see the Romanowski part. Thanks. Where was Catino Mobley? Was he was he a part of all that? No idea. Or was it John, was John, it? Mobley. John, John Mobley? John Mobley. Sorry, Catino Mobley was the basketball player. He's a point guard. We'll rank Mobley's later. Um, <laughs> so he comes totally unblocked. Totally unblocked. No, and that's part of the design of the play, right? That's what you said. If he calls whatever it is, four jet all go or whatever, you've got to be special. right. You've got to be ready because someone's going to be unblocked, Correct. and it happened. Yes, I imagined him taking his shoulder and going like basically parallel to the ground, right. and just having like, his shoulder or even his helmet hitting you right in the kidney, and then you just go like yeah. you crumple backwards, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. like it folded him up, like to your right, right you where your head a goes. Cruise right. missile, like him yes. launching and leaving his feet. Yeah, that's not really what happens. No. Oh no, Brock no, left that's his not what it's more like he picks you up, yes, and, and then me. plants you straight into the ground. The fence post. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> It's awesome. almost more like a like a body slam from WWE wrestling. Can we get to the one last debate? Yes, we can, but I'm just saying, like, that's sake. kind of what it looks but, like. Brock, your feet were so far off the ground. Yeah. How did they get that far <laughs> off the ground? What do you remember thinking in the moment while you were in the air before you hit the ground? Pain. Pure. <laughs> it already hurt before pain. you hit the ground? Well, the impact. It's unlike Justin's motorcycle accidents where he's in the air and, you know, hasn't gotten hit yet. And yeah, it's not until he lands that he yeah. breaks both wrists and everything yeah. else. <laughs> Mine was in, in order to be projected like that as a projectile, there's initial trauma of that hit. Right. And then there's the secondary trauma of getting driven into the ground. It feels like that was more the primary trauma. Just watching it. Pretty much. I think the, the, the impact of his shoulder in your kidney Would as you, you hit the ground. Freaking get to the last. All right. Anyway. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, thank you, Boomer, for for bringing that up. That was that was great. And really, you brought this upon yourself I yesterday did. with your conversation with Ian Eagle. Yep. The only real debate left for the Mariners, I think, is what to do at first base for the final ten games of the season. And I think there's a very compelling argument to play Mike Ford against righties and to move either Canzone into the DH spot or put Canzone in right and move Teo to the DH spot. But basically, finding a way to get all your lefties out there at once. Kelnick, Canzone, and Ford, rather than sitting one of them to allow Ty France to continue to flounder at first base. I think it's a very compelling argument. There are two compelling arguments, maybe three the other way, right? The best of them is 
Say what you want about Ty France's inability to do much damage this year. Say what you want about his speed or lack thereof. He can play first base. But he can play some first base. He has been tremendous. He does not make a lot of mistakes. In fact, he makes almost none. He does not make mistakes. I don't know if he's like got the greatest range of all first basemen in the league. He's not Evan White. But he does not make mistakes at first base. And if Mike Ford ends up in there in the final 10 games and he costs you a run because of an error at first, Mm -hmm. that would be an absolutely brutal thing to deal with. Yep. And those guys trust throwing to him. He's a great receiver of the ball. And, you know, JP and, and Suarez and those guys, you know, obviously believe in him over there. And you don't want to. Why upset the apple cart and break, you know, try to change something that's not broken and has been super effective. And that's your defense. And if it was to put Dominic Canzone there. I'd be right there with you. I'd say, yeah, you can't do that. You can't put Canzone at first. First of all, by all accounts, not a first baseman. Mm-hmm. Just not something he can do. I've heard the words lost cause. Like, it just, he's, 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 he's it's not what he does. But, even when Dylan Moore, by the way, was there, he had a game where he dropped a ball. I mean, he just. Dylan Moore's not a first baseman no, either. No, he's not either. Mike Ford is. Mike Ford is, Confident. by trade, a first baseman. I don't know how good he is at it. I don't know if he's a great one, but he is at least, by trade, a first baseman. So, that that was sort of reason one to not do it. The other reason is a little more of a soft thing, but it's it's just sort of the chemistry of making that big a move at this point in the season, yeah. just as everything is all systems go. And we've seen how sensitive this team can be, right? Oh, you traded Paul Seawald. We're upset for weeks. Oh, you did this. We're upset forever. You got rid of Kendall Graveman. Oh, the world is falling. Now, the one thing I will say is that each time they've gotten upset like that, They've gone out and played great baseball following Mm -hmm. their anger. Mm -hmm. So I don't know whether I'm convinced that it's the wrong move. In fact, the more we talk through it, the more I think it's worth it. How many games are you talking about? I mean, you're not talking about marching them out there for seven in the next 10 versus or or, or versus righties, right? I mean, maybe maybe five. Really? No, I don't like that. Really? Yeah, I don't like that. What if you try it once and he gets three hits? (laughs) I mean, like... What if you try it once, he runs into a home run, and Canzone does something special? I mean, really, it's more of a Canzone thing. It's getting Canzone into the game instead of of France. Mm -hmm. Who do you trust to have a big hit right now, Canzone or France, against a righty? Yeah. I got to tell you, I I think it's Canzone, and, and that may not be fair. He's not been perfect either. But I just, I'm, I'm unfortunately for Ty, Gosh. there's a role for him. I'm not saying you're like getting rid of the guy, but I, I do think you've got to back off his role a little bit right now. And I feel terrible saying that guy was an all-star last year. He yep. is, when hot, one of the great hitters we've seen. I love watching Ty France, and I love him as a guy. There's a million things to like about him. This isn't personal. Trust me. I love the dude. But with 10 games left to play... And we heard from, you know, everybody in the organization that whoever plays best is going to get the, those reps. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think you can make much of an argument for Ty being one of the best right now. Yeah, when Shannon's on with you in 20 minutes, I'd be curious if there's anything behind the scenes. It's just providing a little bit of hope with Ty that he's just been beat up, that he's just been getting hit by pitches, that he just and that actually behind the scenes, there is some positive forces that he's having some good work because You'd sure love to just see him get hot. Just mm-hmm. hit. Just I think what he needs is just a gap shot. Just one of those when you're sitting in a situation like this where it's been 27 games with one extra base hit. You just sometimes just need to see that. And this is a massive ballpark. I got buddies that live down there. I got some friends going to some of the games over the weekend. And they all say the same thing. What Jerry said, like, oh, my gosh. 
It's like Reliance Stadium in Houston. The first time I saw it, I'm like, what in the world? You can fit like three Astrodomes in this thing. What gosh. is this? Yeah. You know, it is a massive park. So, gosh, you know, just talking through all of this, yes, I, I think it certainly makes some sense at times. But more than anything, in best case, would just be to see Ty gain some confidence with an extra base hit mm-hmm. or two because that would truly be best case scenario. Well, and there's another good here's another good uh, good point made from the 425. Fact, Ty's been hit 33 times and scored 75 runs third in the team. You can't put a value on Ty crowding the plate. Stop crying about oranges when you're holding apples. It's fair. Yep. I mean yep. there there's there's again some validity there. But man, I, I just I, I I'm I'm nagged by this feeling heading into the final ten. All right, Brock, I know you got to run. Uh, hopefully, you find Joel McHale at uh, Comic Con here over the course of the next the few days and, and get us yeah. uh, Michael J. Fox. That's who I'd want to meet. Michael J. Fox, a legend mm-hmm. for God's sake. All right, enjoy, Brock. Uh, have a hope your voice heals in time for the game this weekend. Uh, we will be right back with everything you need to know, and I'll continue this Ty France debate with Shannon Dreyer, who's right on the inside of it at eight thirty. It is Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on seven ten. SeattleSports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, it is somewhat fitting. A season with so many twists and turns. The Mariners, who were so mediocre early, so hot in July and especially August, and so cold here for the last few weeks. This whole thing is going to end with an unbelievably crazy sprint to the finish. It all starts tonight. Mariners, Rangers, Astros, Blue Jays, all tied in the loss column with 68 apiece. Three of those teams are going to make the playoffs. One of those teams is going to go home, uh, and you really don't want it to be you. Mariners control their own destiny, though. They're going to battle the Rangers and Astros all the way to the finish. This is going to be big. And I know, you know when we had our, our post-game get-together last night in the, with the coaches, it, as soon as Scott walked in the room, first thing he said was, well, boys, every game from here on out is a playoff game. And, and that's about how it feels. That's how it feels, and that's how you got to manage it, which is why there may be some different decisions. We talked a little earlier about whether you want to make a move at first base and do things a little differently with Mike Ford. The other option, too, is in your bullpen. You've got two starters that fit very, very well in short relief situations. Could we see one of them pitch out of the pen? I guess it's possible that it won't be because we designed it that way. You know, when we when we made our adjustments and we gave Wu a little bit of a break, you know, we, we set it up to, to land the way we wanted it to land coming down the, the, the stretch and give ourselves, the, I guess, the best opportunity to, to both go out and win a division and set ourselves up, you know, for, for what we hope is, is an early playoff game and you know it's in an ideal world we do win the division and we get a little bit of a break but you know it may not work out that way fortunately for us i think we have five starting pitchers that we really trust and we have a bullpen that i'm certain over these next 10 days are going to have to pitch a lot yeah he's certain they're going to have to pitch a lot how certain are you they're going to pitch well as they pitch a lot Man, you need it. You real that that is the strength of this team, and that is the way they beat both the Astros and the Rangers. So hopefully that group is where they need to be. Blue Jays finally lost yesterday to the Yankees. They fall back into that tie. We talked about Toronto heads to Tampa. Houston has the pesky Royals, and the Rays, of course, are just two games behind Baltimore, so they'll still have a little something to play for. Here's the second thing you need to know. That injury report went from bad to worse yesterday. We were already talking about the nine guys, nine guys who missed practice 
fully the day before. Well, yesterday it got worse. Quandre Diggs and Phil Haynes both got added to that group. And now you had 11 players who were unable to go at all. Meanwhile, Jamal Adams, who had been a full participant the day before, was only a partial partial participant, so I don't see any way he ends up playing this week. It's not great, and it means that some of those young guys are going to have to do more and more. Jordan Brooks sure liked what he saw from the top rookie on this team, Devin Witherspoon. It's, it's, it's awesome, man. Um, you know, his first game is a little different than mine because I, I played with no nobody in the stands during the COVID year. Right. But um, just seeing him, because he was out for a while um, with a hamstring or whatever, but uh, just seeing him go out there and make plays and, and just having fun with it, and that's his personality if anybody knows him. He's always up and down, yelling and jumping and stuff. And so, But it was just great to see him get out there, make plays, and um, hopefully build his confidence going in because we definitely don't need him. Well, that's the, the, the conversation and one of the reasons he was picked where he was. If you can get him confident and get some of that personality out and onto the field, certainly that would be a nice lift for this defense and for a team that is missing a whole lot of dudes that you've been counting on over the course of this season. Here's the third thing you need to know. Kind of a dud. Second straight week, Thursday night football. Not fantastic. Niners really make mincemeat out of the Giants. The Giants look bad. The Niners look like arguably the best team in the league right now, both offensively and defensively. Just so well balanced. Uh, There are going to be some really good football games this weekend. Colts-Ravens, that's one I'd like to watch. Cardinals and Dallas, probably don't want to watch it, but, you know, they are at least the team in the West. Buffalo and Washington's an interesting matchup. Atlanta and Detroit somehow is a good game. Green Bay-New Orleans could be a good one. So uh, pretty pretty nice weekend around the NFL. And then college football, before you even get there, how about the Huskies? They will start their Pac-12 final season with Cal. Yeah, Justin Wilcox has always given them some fits. And Washington State, what an enormous game. They take on Oregon State, the biggest rivalry of this new Pac-2 conference. So they're going to play each other every year, I think, for just over and over again in perpetuity. Just going to keep playing. Uh, So they'll get that going. Two teams in, what, the top 20 will battle on Saturday. And then, uh, hey, just since we have a minute, a lot of really good news coming out of Kraken Camp. How nice is it to see Andre Burakovsky healthy and practicing with the team again? Remember what a difference he made for them last year, especially in the offensive side of of the rink. I mean, he was... He's a really good player who they were missing his goal scoring down the stretch. He is healthy. He is practicing. That's awesome. And then his teammate, Jordan Eberle, who's entering the last year of his contract. He's not technically the captain, but he sure wears a lot of those duties. He'd really like to stick around. I think Rod knows my stance as far as, you know, my family and I, my wife, my kids. We, we love it here. I mean, this is, uh, you know, one of the m- more favorite places I've played. I think the group or the city from day one has kind of accepted this team and We've kind of made it a home. So, um, you know, I, I, I want to be a part of a winning team and, and, and have a chance to win a cup. And I know, obviously, this team, like many teams in the NHL, we have a chance here. We have a great group, and I know I want to be a part of it. So I'm sure once the season goes, uh, there will be a better understanding where it's going to be at. So you're not opposed to any season discussions going on? No, no, not at all. Not opposed to that at all, which is good. Maybe they'll have some of that conversation. I would like to see Jordan Everly return. I think you're going to have to make some difficult decisions on some of the veterans on this team. You're going to have to create room for Cartier and for some of the other young guys to find their way up. And eventually, you know, in a cap situation, you've got to let some of the older guys go. Everly's the one that I would make sure to keep around. And yeah, you got to find him on somewhat of a team-friendly deal. He's a good offensive player. He's a solid defensive player. But more than anything, 
I think he is the true veteran leader of this group, and I wouldn't want them to be without him. I get a sense that Dave Haxtall feels exactly the same way. That is everything you need to know. Have you uh, just, you're talking about Thursday Night Football kind of being a dud, but looking forward to some of these matchups. Have you been a little surprised at all by the NFC's showing? They've looked a lot better than everybody thought they would. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, it's what, six of the eight 2-0 teams or something are in the NFC? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's that's surprising for me. Yeah, but you know, it's early. Like I know it is. It, it, that's why I'm saying it's only week two. But like if week one we've asked this question, if it's impossible to judge week one, how do we start judging week two? What well, I think some of the real? some of the yeah, it takes a little while, but some of the some of the hype in the NFC, like the NFC East is supposed to be really good. I don't know, man. Like I've now watched the four teams in the NFC East. The Giants are not very good. And that's not to say they won't win some games. They're very bad. They're they're pretty bad. The idea that Daniel Jones was good was never true, and I'm shocked that anybody bought into that for any amount of time. Especially without Saquon. Washington, not very good. They're not bad. They're they're like a good – that's a good 8-8 football team. I know you can't go 8-8 anymore, but like – they're probably eight and nine. That would be my guess. Now they may end up finishing better or worse, but I see like an eight and nine football team there. And then yeah, Sam the, Howell might be kind of good. He might be okay. Yeah, I mean, like again, I see kind of an eight and nine football team. They're 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 fine though. They're frisky. Um, the Eagles are good, but maybe not quite as good as they were supposed to be. At least they've started Dallas. off somewhat slowly. And uh, and Dallas has a great defense, but we'll see what happens as they start to lose a couple of these guys that have now gone out. So anyway, good, good question, Justin. I don't know. Well, you know, we're still a little early to make some of those decisions and some of those proclamations, but I guess it didn't stop me on Bobby Wagner. If you got a few minutes and uh, want to go read uh, something I wrote about Bobby, it's up at SeattleSports.com. Again, it's very rare that reunions like this work out incredibly well, but through two games and the last few months. The Bobby reunion has been perfect, and I wrote about some reasons why. You can read them at seattlesports.com. Are we going to talk to Shannon? God, I miss Shannon. We need to talk to Shannon. She is right there in the thick of the insanity. She is right there waiting for the storm surge in Dallas tonight. We'll talk to her next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com, your exclusive home of the Mariners' playoff chase. This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Yeah, I'm sorry, 253. You're asking, did I miss G this week? No, we're all missing G. A few texts out G's at Notre Dame, watching baby G play. And when he does that, you know, we let him go do his family thing on Friday. It's not like we pay him for this. He just comes over because we can't get rid of him. If anything, we could pay him to probably not show up and spend as much time. I feel as like he, he should pay us to uh, to come over here and just hang out the way he likes to do. But yeah, have you been you, to Notre Dame? I've never been to Notre Dame. No, no, and I don't know that that's like a life goal or anything like that. Like it's not that I would say no, but. I don't know. I it's don't not care a bucket about that. List thing for not you, really. No, not at all. But uh, yeah, so uh, G is uh, out of town today. So no G. Instead, we're going to be getting ready for what promises to be about as crazy a stretch as we've ever seen in baseball. I've watched some crazy stretches in baseball. I promise. I've never seen this. I've never seen three teams all in the same division separated by half a game. Nothing in the loss column going into the final 10 games of the season never happened before mm-hmm. throw the blue jays in there as well and it's absolute anarchy shannon dreyer's in the middle of it all in dallas in arlington getting ready for the game tonight shannon set the scene for us what's it like 
Oh, it's absolutely, I think it's nuts. You know, that's just from my personal, obviously we're in Texas right now. It's hot. It looks like any other day, but when you put into perspective, what's going to happen over the next 10 days, it it is. And I think Scott service put it best. The playoffs start on Friday. It's a 162 game season. I say this all the time. Very rarely is any game that much bigger than another. Well, now it is now it comes down to 10 games and it is going to be just, I think an incredible ride uh, for Mariners fans and the players, uh, they seem very up for it. They seem excited about it. It's something that they were acknowledging after the game in Oakland, and it's going to be just an absolute blast to see it going and see how it unfolds. Yeah, so take me a little more inside there. What is the vibe right now in this clubhouse and around this group? Really confident, and the Oakland series, you can look at it and say, oh, it's Oakland, and they're terrible and everything else, but sometimes it doesn't really matter who the opponent is, and I'm not just talking about results right now, but if you're a pitcher and you like the way that you know your changeup is working against lefties, it doesn't matter who's on the other side. It's more about you in that situation. If you're a hitter and you put up good at bats and you feel good about that, you know that's enough to get you going, and so I think all of that kind of came together. Uh, for almost everybody on the club when they were in Oakland. And uh, it was great to see the runs on the board. It was great to see the pitching that you saw some early stumbles, maybe a couple turns through the rotation that looked a little bit shakier, looked better there, and looked a little bit better in some games at home, too, for that reason. Andres Munoz appears to be fixed right now. It's not perfect yet, but he's a lot better than what you've seen throughout the season. Uh, The bullpen was able to get the rest that they needed to to the point where they actually pitched Munoz and Brash because they needed to pitch. And, and so I think they just feel like they're in such a different place than they were, say, a week to 10 days ago. Who do you have a tremendous amount of confidence in right now? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have to be one person. I mean, but who, who's sort of on the I feel really good about them, whether it's on the mound or at the plate right now? That's an on-the-spot one. You know, I, I think that this group is so much um, kind of ingrained in, in in groups. It's like, well, the starting pitching has gotten us this far, and Cal Raleigh talked about that on the field uh, on after the third game in Oakland, and he said, you know, it's been that way all year. It's going to continue. That, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be our pitching. Uh, I feel good about Cal in all aspects of his game, and the fact that he was able to get a full day off and then another one today I think is really going to help him. Been feeling really good about Matt Brash, and I do think that these games in Texas are going to come down to the bullpen. Um, At the plate, I feel better about, say, Oscar Hernandez and Eugenio Suarez than I did when they took off on the trip. Those two look hopelessly lost in the homestand. And uh, I think that now you're not seeing the wild swings. They're more, more focused on getting the pitch to hit. So I feel better about the lineup because I feel better about two spots in it right there. Individual-wise, I don't know that there's anybody that I would say that is absolutely, you know, this is a guy that they can, uh, you know, put on, that can put them all on their shoulders and run with it. I think they have to do that as an entire offense. Mm. Well, since you're talking through the uh, the lineup there, it's a debate that Brock and I started a little bit. I texted you about it yesterday as well, and we asked Jerry about it, and I, I, I don't know the answer to this one. I, I am very slightly leaning in one direction, but what would you do at first base right now? It's been Ty France's job, obviously, not just this year, but for the last few. He's really struggled. There's a lot, a huge lack of power. Do you attempt to get more lefties in there against a right-handed pitcher and put Mike Ford at first and let Canzone DH, or are you just dancing with the one that brung you? I, I think that's tempting, on paper and this is it's tempting and 
why I probably wouldn't do it or I wouldn't expect it right now is because you haven't seen it yet. I mean, that is not something that I think I would just pull out at the last minute. I think, you know, France has not even been pinch hit for. He's been moved well down the order, which I think would maybe kind of prepare for such a thing. Uh, but I don't know that I would spring that at the absolute last moment, which is what this would be. And I don't know that that would be Scott Service's nature or his call for that matter. I think it's more of an organizational thing right there. But I, I think that, you know, his instinct is more to go with confidence mm. in the player uh, than it is to replace the player. And I really think the time would have been a couple of weeks yeah. ago. I don't know that you just inject that right now. It'd be a heck of a move if they did. I mean, it would be kind of a go-for-it move, I think, but it also could backfire. Would your lineup be better if against right-handers if you did it? Uh, possibly. I mean, um, I, I think it. I tend to think it would be. Now, I understand the arguments on the other side. Certainly, both what you've said there in terms of just consistency. I think there's a defensive argument to be made, and what Ty's done defensively has been spectacular. I'm not as worried about a chemistry thing. Every time this team gets mad about chemistry, they go out and play better. So I'm just not going to worry as much about that type of thing. We did ask Jerry about it yesterday. Here was his answer. I certainly don't think it's out of the, the realm of possibility. And, you know, it's the, the beautiful thing is that there's a challenge to it. You know, J.K. swinging the bat well. Mike Ford has been really good for us this year. And when you have enough appealing players from a single side of the plate that you can line them up and, and one of them is, is left sitting on the bench on a given day. It's kind of a luxury that we've never had. It's more the other way where you're looking for that one guy that you find that might be able to slip in there. What do you hear? I hear that. I think it's something that maybe has been talked about and the decision hasn't quite been made as of yet. And, you know, the only thing that I would look at also at that point is where they all are at, you know, right now. And France has struggled horrifically, but if you look 14 days back, they're, France and Ford are about in the same place when you're looking at WRC+. plus. If you go 30 back, it's a little bit better in favor of Ford there. It also gives you the opportunity to get Canzone mm-hmm. in, into the lineup too. Um, and, you know, he had sat for a long time because he had struggled. So I think – that you have to take that into consideration too, because I think at this point it's a little bit more of a chance. If if you know Ford or Canzone had really been going, I think that choice would be a lot easier. But they haven't really done that much more yeah. in the recent past. Yeah, the I don't want to believe for it. them to do more is there. The yeah, and and they just have a little bit there. more pop. I think that's the concerning thing about Ty is how little power he's shown not even just home run power but even doubles power it's just like i don't know it's just been such a power outage for him it's so disappointing he's one of my favorite guys when he's going well i I love watching him play he's played a fantastic first base he's a great dude this certainly isn't personal but i think it's a it's a conversation they have to have and then the other ones because there aren't a lot of debates to be had at this stage of the season is whether there's a chance and i don't know whether there is or not but if they're going to say okay these are 10 playoff games is there a chance we see any of the starting pitchers out of the pen at some point here in the next 10 days? Ooh. I, I don't know that they will need that in the next 10 days. I think that is something that would be much more likely that you would see out in the postseason. And we did. We saw it last year, you know, twice. So I, I'm not sure, you know, when are you using them if you're using them out of the pen? I don't know, but I know that I've got Miller and Wu, both of whom should be absolute murder on right-handed hitters late in the game. 
And as much as I want them to start, believe me, it's not like I don't want that. And if they still had a Hancock or a Marco or somebody else to start a game, I actually think this would be almost a no-brainer to try to use one of them in that spot. But without it, it, it's obviously a huge challenge. I just I can't shake the idea that, as you said, these games are going to be one late and maybe they could influence more than one or two games by being in the pen and helping out that way. The, wow. Um, I, I think it would all, it would all depend on who you're, who you're replacing with them. I mean, if they do that, you're taking them out of the rotation. What's a bigger hit? I don't know. At that point. Right. What's yeah. A bigger hit? And you might be sacrificing and, one game in order to win some others. I mean, like it's a risk, obviously it's why I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying, you know what you got to do is get one of those guys out. I just, I can't shake the idea that it would at least in some way work out that way. I think if you did, as you said, have a Hancock or somebody that could do it, again, I think it's something yeah. that you would have prepared for a lot further out. As it is, I think particularly with Miller and with Wu, I think you're looking at five-inning games from them. I think you're going to you know, get what you can get out of them, and you're looking for quality and not uh, quantity when they're starting games, particularly against a team like the Rangers, and then you got to throw it to the pen. And I think, honestly, who becomes more critical in those in those instances, and that's where it might get a little bit scary, it's not going to be so much your leverage guys at the end, but it's going to be the other guys that are going to have to pitch in that kind of middle, in that kind of swing role. But, uh, yeah, it's, I think that you, what you have to hope for is, is what they have been as a pitching staff for the majority of the year. Not necessarily for the last month, but what they have been yeah. for the majority of the year. And what? you've got to, you've actually got to watch out for Corey Seager. I mean, you've got to treat him like Shohei. You've got to treat him like Alvarez. I mean, that's the guy who cannot beat you in this lineup. <laughs> Uh, what do you make of the managing uh, matchups here? Scott against Bochi, Scott against Dusty Baker. Both Bochi and Baker have now juggled their rotations in order to get their better starters against the Mariners, which is understandable, but also kind of annoying. So what do you make of the managing matchup? I think that's interesting, and I think the Mariners obviously did have an opportunity to juggle the rotation a little bit and didn't, and I think that that is uh, you know, something that, again, that is a little bit more Scott's style, consistency, steady, you know, express the confidence in the guys that you have and, and go from there. I think also it kind of plays into a little bit, you know, attacking this 10-game series um, almost like, it's 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 nothing out of the ordinary. I mean, there could be an opportunity to treat the first three games like the first game of a series where he throws everything at it. And, you know, they are staying with where they're at. And I think that, again, I don't even know that those are manager decisions. Those are probably a little bit more organizational decisions, uh, but they had that opportunity and they didn't. And quite honestly, they still do with the day off. You know, they very well could have changed something up or perhaps would change something up uh, should it not go well early and, and we'll see. But uh, I, what I do know is when you're looking at something like that, it's very calculated. I mean, they know exactly what's going to happen with every win and with every loss and, you know, what their options will be at that point. So I, I think, I think, you know, it's a very different style Two organizations switching things up, going all in and the other, you know, deciding that it's more important to kind of stay steady. I think Scott's had a heck of a year. And I know there were been at times where people have been very frustrated with him and the decisions or even just the play of the team. But to get this team to bounce back and right back into contention again, 
I mean, who's had a better season, Scott Service or Bruce Bochy, the guy who kept them at 500 early and then allowed them to get on their run late, or the guy who jumped out to a huge lead in the division and gave it all back by being a terrible baseball team, really, in the, in the second half? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot. I, I don't put a ton into the early season. You know, early season is not what teams ultimately are going to be. So if you're able to take advantage early on, good for you. You know, it's a dog days. It's when you're losing players. It's when you're having to make adjustments where I think you see, and by no means am I saying Bruce Bochy is a very good manager, but uh, I think that he's also in another position where they weren't expected, I think, to do as much as they've done this year. So that's an easier place to be managing from. It's been different with the Mariners and to have to climb out of what they were early and not being able to get going. uh, I think that was just a Herculean effort to get them uh, to where they are and very different in how they did it a year ago when they fell behind also. And, uh, you know, I think at this point you have to hand it over to the players a little bit more, especially in the case of the Mariners, because you look at that lineup, you look at that pitching staff, and so many of them have been there before. And the one thing that I've learned is you just don't count them out. It's, uh, you know, how many times over the last two years uh, have it just looked like the whole thing has been on the edge and the players have been the last ones to blink. And that is taking the cues from the manager. So if, if nothing else, I think that has been able to kind of that confidence hmm. Uh, in that belief, and just really being able to play together, I think that very much has overcome some of the shortcomings that they've had in other areas. How do you feel about the bullpen right now? I'm nervous about it. I, I think that, you know, we've said this since the deadline, sure, you've got great arms down there, but you take an arm away and you don't replace it. It's you, The bullpen is not as strong as it was before the trade deadline. And I think that you've got, you know, just great stuff with Brash and great stuff with Munoz. It would be great to have a third right there that you can put in that same bucket, as they like to say. So it's going to come down to, you know, arms like Spire, arms like Sacedo. And, you know, Spire's he's kind of wobbled a little bit over the last month. Sacedo, we haven't even seen a lot of, you know, you hope that he's rested and good to go there. Um, it's, you know, you are going to, uh, see more of Topa at the end, who I like, and I'm still intrigued about, and I'd like to see more of. And I think, you know, his stuff and his cutter is going to play very, very well uh, against everybody else. But uh, it, it definitely has not been the same bullpen as it was in the first half. How fun is this? <laughs> Seriously, I mean, just some of it is just the debates. I got somebody on me here in the text and say, Salk, lay off Ty France. Like, I'm not crushing Ty France. I'm just saying it's kind of go time. And oh, Salk, you weren't this hard on Teo earlier this year. No, because it was earlier this year. And I'm not down on Ty France, who I love. I mean, I, honestly, one of my favorite players on the team. But it's 10 games. It's playoff baseball in a completely unique situation and I, I'm just look, I'm not even saying it's the right thing to do. I'm just kind of intrigued by the idea and trying to find the best way to maximize because you don't have a lot of time to do much of anything else right now. So this is just fun, Shannon. Never seen this before. No, no. And it's, um, you know, it's just like tell everybody, get your sleep, drink your water, eat well, you know, <laughs> just find a moment to breathe here and there. I do recommend that, too. I mean, this is uh, I've. Just, I've never seen something with the stakes that are this high with the intrigue that you are watching. I mean, we started scoreboard watching when? Like almost a month and a half ago? And I mean, that's, speak, that's early. Speak for, for yourself. I would say July. 
<laughs> I mean, well, like, that's a little bit early. Well, there. that's, a, that's how I was rolling. I was scoreboard watching in July. You were a little late to the party on this one, Shannon. Oh, you would let, well, no, that was not necessary. You were overdoing it there. You've got to conserve a little bit for the end. But, I mean, <laughs> in the broadcast booth, we have got every iPad set up with a different game. That's awesome. Uh, you might hear it in the pregame or even during the game. If something happens in another game, you're going to hear Gary Hill yelling about well, it. Well, there's a lot fewer other, to watch here over other, the course <laughs> of the last couple of weeks because the Mariners are playing somebody relevant. That's going to take one of them out out every single game where, where do you see it going I, I hate predictions because I, I I think they're stupid and I don't have a clue what is going to happen here over the course of the next 10 days who who, who scares you the most like kind of how do you feel about these last few you know one of the things that I'm nervous about is they don't have the tiebreaker over the Rangers so you've got to beat them head on and they have not played the Rangers well this year so yeah, I'm going to be very interested to see what happens tonight That, to me, is, you know, I think going to be a really good tone setter. Not that they can't pull things out if tonight is a complete and utter disaster, but I will feel really good about it if we see a very solid game and a very good win against them tonight. I think the Rangers are very key. You think there's any chance the Blue Jays just tank it here again? They got five against the Rays and a couple against the Yankees, who I know aren't great, but any chance the Blue Jays end up being the one team out when this is all said and done? As unpredictable as the Mariners have been this year, the Blue Jays have been even more of a roller coaster. So I I can't really put anything on them. I think Vlad Guerrero's knee is, you know, that is is a key factor right now because he's kind of what sparked it a little bit in in the last week or so. Uh, So that could be, you know, that could be tough if they're all of a sudden to lose him. But, you know, they throughout the season have been terrible against the East. So you hope that, you know, they're not asleep right now in New York and they want to win some games in Tampa they seem to really, they seem to be kind of firing up right now. So I think those are going to be very tough games for them. It, at the end, I mean, it's just insane to think that one of these teams is not going to make the postseason. Yeah, they're just there aren't enough teams in the postseason in baseball. That's what I've always said. They, what they need is to add another wild card team. So that, no, this is no. perfect. <laughs> no. This is this has worked out really well. And you know what? If they were only two wild card teams, it would be great too. If two of these teams were going to make it and two of them would go home. That would have also been very entertaining and probably fine with me. So I kind of miss the last, you know, the day, the extra game yes. and the play-in if you have to. Yeah, why I don't totally they have that? Miss that. Uh, I'm sure it's because they want to set the schedules for the postseason. I mean, the, the, I think there might be the possibility of like two days of that this year. Well, that would have been great. Had to. Oh, that would have been a shame better. if people would have had to watch a great baseball game with everything on the line. Yep, baseball always gets stuff like that wrong, man. Game 163 was a win for them and kind of a bummer that that's gone. Anyway, Shannon, great stuff. I'm so jealous that you're right there in the middle of it this uh, next three days, this whole weekend in Arlington. And then, of course, back home for the final seven. It is going to be unbelievably cool watch parties this weekend over at Hatback with 15% off for anybody wearing Mariners gear. You got each member of the rotation going two more times and it all finishes up next Sunday. Thanks, Shannon. Great stuff. You got it, Mike. All right, there you go. Shannon Dreyer, our Mariners insider with a really good piece up today at seattlesports.com as well, which I definitely recommend checking out. Always read Shannon whenever she writes just about anything because Shannon really knows the game well and has Close such great insight it. from inside that clubhouse where she is uh, as embedded as anybody's ever been with a baseball team. It's very darn cool. So yeah, I'm this- not being hard on Ty France, am I? I'm sorry if it's coming off that way. I don't mean it to. Honestly, I feel like this is like a 51-50 kind of a conversation, or 51-49 kind of a conversation. Sorry, I didn't mean to drop the Van Halen album on you. It's sort of a 51-49 kind of a thing for me. 
Yeah, I hear how people could think you're being hard on him, and, and in just this context, because of the last hour, I'm just trying to I'm just it. trying to present the other con- the other side of it because I, it's easy to do nothing. Of course, right? It's always easiest to do. Yeah, just stay with, it, yep. Stay with what you've been this doing. What we've been doing, and it might be the right thing to do. Honestly, there's a compelling argument on the defensive side of it. There's a compelling argument from a consistency side of it. There's a compelling argument from an upside side of it. But I just I think that that ability to get more guys who can hit a home run or two and get more lefty righty matchups into the game. By the way, as soon as they bring in a lefty, you're probably pinch hitting Ty France late anyway. Uh-huh. And, but there's a reason he got put down to the eighth in the order. He's really this not hit well this year. you doing that. I mean, like, these are the kinds of things that you have to... This is when you manage like, show their... You, yeah. you have to kind of overmanage everything to get where you need to be in this final stretch, right? Like, it's, it's just things you have to it, consider. It's why I'm not opposed to seeing, especially Miller, out of the pen in the next 10 days. And go back a year. Go back to the plus. If these are truly playoff games, like Scott's told Jerry and like Jerry told us, well, how did they end up finishing the Toronto series? Kirby out of the pen. George Kirby out of the pen. You think that was going to be the only time you saw it? If they had managed to beat the Astros? By the way, Kirby still started a few days later. It's playoff time. Now, he was a rookie. Miller's a rookie. I don't think you can mess around with Brian Wu that way, which is too bad because his stuff say, his out, of pen, out of the pen against right-handers. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I don't think you can mess around with Brian Wu. I don't think you can afford to let him, just given his injury history, go out there and pitch in you know on his on his bullpen day and make it live right in in game action and then pitch a couple days later to start. I think that's asking a lot of a guy who's had his injury history. But Bryce Miller, if he's got to do it, yeah. If George Kirby's got to do it, yeah. Like if Logan's got to do it, Logan might be the best candidate to do it. You want to throw Logan out there for the seventh inning to try? Yeah, maybe. If it means that I get to see an extra inning of Logan Gilbert or Matt or, or George Kirby or or Bryce Miller instead of Taylor Sacedo or Trent Thornton, no offense, guys. I'd rather see the starter come in and take Adolis Garcia and, and Corey Seager and whoever in that inning. Mm-hmm. The, the rules go out. In, hey, in who's up this season, inning? Right? Semyon, Seager, and Garcia. Well, who would you rather get in there? Trent Thornton for the sixth this day? Or maybe it's an opportunity to throw Logan Gilbert or Bryce Miller. It's about having such a fantastic starting rotation affords you. It's a it's an it's it's all it's not a no brainer, but you gotta find ways to utilize all of the weaponry you have, and those are some of your best weapons. And that's what makes this so, I'm so fun. I'm so nervous. You would never do that <laughs> stuff in the regular season. Oh. Except that you've got ten games to glory here, man. Hell week starts tonight. I can't wait. It's Brock and Salk, your exclusive home for Mariners playoff hunt. It is Seattle sports on 710.